Hey guys, welcome to Content Candy's newest show, Why Are We Like This? with myself and Adam Collins. Please check us out wherever you can find podcasts, which I think is like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, what have you. And make sure to check out Patreon, patreon.com backslash video drew and enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to an all new Why Are We Like This? I'm going to turn my mic up just a second. There we go. All new Why Are We Like This with me, uh, Drew Grant, uh, Video Drew, and Adam, the Coyote Collins. Adam, can I still call you the Coyote even though Showdown is ending? Uh, Yeah. Um, My contract is still active. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So Coyote it up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Although I think that's the extent of what we can say at this point. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably yeah. true. Um, so how are you doing, man? It's been a hot minute. I know. Um, well, I'm doing great. I wanted uh, uh, not to. I know. I know you had a full schedule there for a few weeks, so I wanted to give you give you some time to focus on your extracurriculars, and then you know, I just uh, I threw myself into my work and watching yeah. some movies, and I caught up on a lot of shows, a lot of that's shows, including the one we're going to talk about tonight. But I'm watching a whole bunch of other weird stuff too. Like what? Bunch of, Real quick. Uh, um, I, it's like maybe it's because I'm a dad, but like I'm literally watching the old man and Under the Banner of Heaven at the same time, and they're both depressing, Oof. violent uh, shows on FX. But I, uh, I'm enjoying myself immensely. So nice. Well, we got some people in the comments already. I haven't watched Under the Banner of Heaven. I've read the book, but like I haven't seen the show yet. I will say this. Mm-hmm. Sam Worthington and Rory Culkin tragically miscast in the show. Like they, yeah. like they both, they both stick out like sore thumbs. It's pretty right. funny. I yeah. But yet- it, yeah, it kind of adds to the entertainment. I get to see Rory Culkin really do a role. That's like the level mm-hmm. of Kieran or even a Macaulay. Well, Kieran's, I'm sorry. Kieran's a better actor. And I, actor. like Rory, the problem I had with Rory ever like scream Four, I, I found him a little obnoxious in that movie. And, and he refuses and I'm one to talk, but he refuses to cut his hair. I'm not a working actor, okay? And he refuses to cut his hair for a role, and he's playing a Mormon in Utah in 1984 yeah, in, this, no in this show, and he has a little braid. I'm like, that's not realistic. I'm it's sorry. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> we're pushing yeah. it. We're pushing it. Well, speaking about the 80s, first of all, I'm not sure if you've seen my shirt, but this is the most deep cut reference I've ever had on a T-shirt. Yeah. And it is I, my favorite thing. I think I need. Here, let me enlarge it's the picture. Pete's here. handoff, and it's uh, the little stick figure from from Twin Peaks. Oh, from from the return. Yes. Yeah. It's a very very deep cut quote uh, or reference like on a shirt, and I'm, I swear to God, like if you don't get it, like no one no one's gonna get it. Yeah. But no, I I, I I I definitely remember it. And fun story. Um. Uh. Uh. We'll talk about this more offline, but I am through. I am. St- in the middle of uh, yet another rewatch of the entire Twin Peaks experience. Uh, Just started season one again um, uh, for very good reasons. Mm -hmm. And um, can't wait to go on this journey once again. I love, I mean, I love it. If I could do a yearly like Twin Peaks, like, you know, marathon and just cut off season two at a certain point and then just go straight to the return. 
and do me solid. Although Look, I feel like you, you got to watch season two a couple times. Season two is how you earn your stripes as a Twin Peaks fan. But I also mm-hmm. like this is the first time I'm watching it all together since the return's been released. Like the oh, last wow. time I did it all together is I rewatched one and two in the movie before return premiered. But this is the first time I'm rewatching it all since 2017. So I'm very excited. Yeah. We watched all like last year, but anyway, uh, speaking of the eighties or I guess early nineties in Twin Peaks case, but you're talking uh-huh. about the eighties with another band of heaven. Let's talk about a show that is very the eighties in a nutshell. Mm. We're talking about Stranger Things, guys. Now, this oh is, yeah, this is a show called Why We Like This, and I can't say that I am like this because of Stranger Things, but Stranger Things has a lot of things in it that I am like this because, such mm-hmm. as Kate Bush, uh, big big Kate Bush fan, um, big fan of uh, Running Up That Hill, but even more so Wuthering Heights, the best music video of all time, and there's three different versions of it, but. Let's get into it. Uh, Adam, what were your feelings about Stranger Things when it first when it first debuted? How have they changed? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I figured um, uh, I was hoping we could kind of do a primer before we dug into the, the meat and potatoes and spoilers and what have you. Let's do it. Um, so, yeah, I am um, uh, in a completely uh, 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 proud and happy Stranger Things fans in season one. Okay. Um, and uh, when it premiered, um, I remember hearing a lot of buzz about it. And I was a little skeptical because I was like, this looks like Super 8, the movie that had come out a few yeah, years prior. Yeah, I did, right. And, and Super 8, I think, I think Super 8 is, is uh, a solid uh, throwback of a movie. I, I have nothing against that movie. Was, that um, but it, was it a Cloverfield movie or was it just pretending to be? It was no, no, it, no, no. It's just that um, J.J. Abrams did that movie as kind of like an initial throwback to, uh, you know, that era of Amblin Entertainment. And then Stranger Things picked up the baton, essentially, and really gotcha. expanded upon that concept. And that first season, I think most people universally agree, is, is lightning in a bottle. And yeah. then, and then, what is up to some debate is the varying levels of quality of the seasons thereafter. And and for me, I I personally am um, a fan of all three seasons to follow, not without my nitpicks, of course, including the most recent season. But um, I continue to tune in because these actors are so charismatic, and they continue to engage with the nostalgia in a way that is still novel, despite the fact that they have already started a trend that's completely overwhelming and we're getting nostalgia out the years that's not on the level of affection and nuance that the show continues to be. Yeah. Uh, I think Dan and I in the comment section just put right, uh, wife and I are doing a rewatch of all Stranger Things. So we just finished two. Four seems to have mm-hmm. a lot of time with all the characters. I mean, yeah. that is my main thing about season four. I don't think there's that much to gripe about season four. I mean, there's a couple mm-hmm. things to gripe about, but I think my biggest gripe or the most noticeable gripe is that it is so long. I mean, there the last two episodes of the length of two movies, and that's because every single character in Stranger Things needs to apparently get the same amount of screen time per episode. I'm not sure if it's a contractual thing or what, but like they need to get the same amount every character per episode, whether or not their side plot is like relevant or interesting or like necessary mm-hmm. for that story to continue. They need to have like the same amount of time dedicated to it as anything else. So we get the same amount of Joyce. And like, uh, not Alexi, what's his name? Uh, Brett Gelman's character in Russia. like Murray, episode, yeah. As we get of Hopper in Russia per episode, as we get of like whatever Eleven's uh, group is doing or like the mm-hmm. Eleven people in the lab. And then as much as the buyers, as much as like, yeah. the, you know, like it's just, it's just a whole lot of thing. And because 
people in this show rarely die off at the rate that they introduce new characters. We just have this like thing where it's just getting more, we're just getting a bigger and bigger show. Mm-hmm. Not like I'm, I'm not complaining too much because this is the season that introduced us to Eddie, um, the love of my life. <laughs> like the, the I know you're still coping time. with with the introduction and everything that followed. Uh, I mean, I was so I'm so into Eddie, but I was a I, I, was, also a big, I was also a big Billy Stan. Uh, I was like one of those people who was like, I think this guy's a really good actor. Like, I think that the, the character was obviously awful. Mm-hmm. The, the guy was super like charismatic. Like he was a really he was really good in that Power Ranger movie. <laughs> I, I think so yeah getting back to like the previous seasons real quick i um so uh shameless plug i was mm-hmm. in the stranger things exhibition schmodown match oh uh, yes yeah, watch it on the schmodown channel now yay mm-hmm. um but uh i i rewatched as much as i could of the show before, leading up to that match and i primarily rewatched season three because that's the one i'd only seen once mm-hmm. um but going back through it again made me appreciate the entire arc of, of Billy's character a lot more. Mm-hmm. Because when I initially saw season three, I initially read that season as not, I, I wasn't sure if they knew what to do with his character. Right. And when you watch it like back to back seasons uh, two and three, I, I had a much larger appreciation. And there's a lot of subtlety to Dak Montgomery's performance. Um, uh, his I, again, I think everyone's superpower on the show. I think it's a three-way race between Dacker Montgomery, Millie Bobby Brown, and Noah Schnapp between who can conjure tears silently. I mean, the they're so yeah. good. They're all yeah. so good at crying. No, so I good. cry when Noah Schnapp just shows up now. I'm cued. Yeah. I'm like trained that when he shows up, he's going to bear his soul and I'm just going to start crying. Effusively. The about him crying yeah. is like hilarious. Uh, yeah. The way that they're all able to cry silently, I think, is the big thing too. Like they were all uh-huh. able to conjure tears. I was just watching. Uh, by the way, I guess we're going to do some spoilers probably. So if you haven't seen Stranger Things season four, maybe like tune out soonish or nowish. Mm-hmm. We tried to give it some time now. to breathe. So hopefully, yeah. anyone tuning in has watched the show. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they all conjure tears. Like Sadie Sink just has like a tear on it. Lucas is just sobbing. I mean, like the whole the whole cast seemingly is able to cry on cue, um, and it's it's kind of it's both beautiful and heartrending, and also like terrifying how these kids yeah. cry. Like they cry in a way that is like like damaged, like something is broken inside of them. Uh, yeah. Like I'm just thinking about Lucas at the end there, like holding Sadie Sink's body and just like screaming for his sister. And a line that apparently was totally improvised uh, to call for Erica. And uh, it's just, you know, it's heartbreaking. These kids are so mm-hmm. good at crying. Yeah, Eddie too, at the very end, just his his final moments, he just has like a couple tears dripping down his face. So good. And definitely Bobby Brown cries in every single one of her scenes. That is fair. Matthew Modine cried, died with a couple of tears on his eyes. Like, I don't think anybody in this show has not cried. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I, I just, so to, with this, this new season, um, Mm -hmm. I was really curious because there was a larger gap and because this is the first time they were all spread out this much, how they would do. And Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, they did a pretty good job of balancing it all out. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, like I think my two biggest, um, the things that require the most patience for me as a fan were Eleven and Hopper's arcs. And it's not yeah, that I, I wasn't just like frustrated with them um, uh, completely, but um, they were, they were very gradual. 
And um, there was a lot of repetition with both of them. Yeah, and, a lot of repetition. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, no, I mean, it's kind of like the problem I have with like the boys a little bit too. Although the boys does it, I feel like in a shorter time frame. But like, there's a lot of things where you like hit the same beat, and then someone else hits the exact same beat in the episode, and you're like, I don't know if they're supposed to parallel with one another, but like, do we need to go through this twice? Like the same emotion. So much happens in the hallways in the boys. Yeah. So much hallway action. I mean, there's that one scene that our episode of the boys where it's like they have the Homelander and uh, uh, Soldier Boy make the exact same speech, basically to like the significant others or former significant others. And I guess it's supposed to parallel one another, but I'm just like, my God, we got it. Like we, we understand the message. And I feel like this a little bit too. I mean, this is good. Just, I guess just goes back to my original point of just like, I don't need to see Hopper run away, get caught, run away again, like develop. Like I love the relationship he has with the, the guy from game of Thrones, the faceless man. I love that dude. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just, you know, Enzo. Enzo. That's Enzo right. Yeah. Uh, it's great, great character development. I guess we kind of need to know like what the stakes are for him, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't need to know like Joyce's pilots whole deal. I don't need to like know that guy's backstory. I don't need to do that. I don't need to, but I appreciate knowing that like Susie's older sister has hooked up with the guy driving the pizza car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that, that's a level of like, oh my God, like we really, we're getting to Dustin girlfriend, older sister hooking up with like Joyce's kids friend that's a burnout and has a car and i love that guy that guy's a great actor he's, he's yeah. Wilson. what's his name paisley or something platt no argyle argyle oh the guy who plays argyle yeah yeah and he's been guy. making the rounds and um speaking of people who won't cut their hair anytime soon but i don't blame yeah. him that's that's getting him work um whereas rory culkin's just a, a stubborn as a mule yeah. um <laughs> but um the thing that uh you know what this season made me think of was um with the amount of, with the the way they lean on the idea of teenagers being patient with road trips. Yeah. Um, like they took a lot of that on faith. It reminded me of the level of driving we saw in Dr. Sleep. And I love that movie in a lot yeah, of ways. That, but there is so much. A lot of, the book has a lot of driving too. Yeah. Well, there's so much driving in Dr. Sleep that would take a long time. So you don't just drive to Iowa. You don't just drive to Colorado from New Hampshire, no less. And I know that because I live in New Hampshire. Wait, how long? I'm, I'm trying to I, map this out. How does long would it take to go from California yeah, to Utah to Indiana? Like, how long do they think that's going to take? Like, I don't, I don't know. Seems like one long ass trip. Yeah, yeah, no, it's going to take a I minute. I guess eventually she just figures out that she doesn't need to be there. And I guess like everyone just kind of ended up. I mean, it's a plot armor thing, but like everyone ended up just realizing at the very end that they didn't need to get back to Hawkins, like in any like time crunch, like Joyce and him being in Russia. I was like, there's no way I was like, we're getting down to the couple last hours here. There's no way they're going to make it back in time. Even right. if they could somehow get out of this. And I was like, Oh, well, luckily they just need to defeat these Demi Gorgons or these uh, mind flare things on their side of the wall. Um, and same with like, yeah, 11 just being like, Oh wait, I, I can just piggyback. Like you could just do that the entire time. There was a tank where you were and you like hovered it in the air and broke it. You could have just done that at your home. Um, it would take about 33 hours to do yeah. what they did. Yeah. So, because I mean, but yeah. they do give them a little time at the end, but it's still only a couple days, but let's back it up a little bit. Yeah, so yeah, like the beginning, the beginning of the season. Um, so what I, what I really, really enjoy is that, we're in, we're past the mid eighties now. Um, we're in 86. 1986, 1986. 
Um, so we're firmly in an era where like, you know, um, we're fully out of the shadow of the seventies. The eighties is a fully realized decade. Um, we have a lot of trends and things that are solidified. And because these characters are now like firmly in high school, um, uh, I like that this show more than ever, it's always been PG 13, but yeah. I think this season went as close to an R rating as it could. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, so scary. oh yeah. Like, like obviously borrowing influence from a nightmare on Elm street, which, which, um, uh, was near and dear to my heart. But, um, something, uh, I noticed that, um, uh, Dan, uh, Merle pointed out, uh, in his review of the show as well. Um, and I think we've talked about this is I noticed a lot of parallels between the paranoia of the town mm -hmm. and the paradise lost documentaries about the, the, those yeah. the, the, those murders from the 90s mm -hmm. and and the whole thing with that is you know those that was very much about a uh, satanic panic and a small mm -hmm. religious town uh scapegoating three teens who listened to metallica uh mm -hmm. who all looked very much um like eddie yeah. and uh and um uh, oh over... yeah that's probably why that's probably why they picked the metallica song yeah yeah well i don't think it's a coincidence yeah and and you know indiana and arkansas are not literally the same state but they're both rural states for the most part um compared to a lot of others and um they have more in common than they don't um mm -hmm. and i i just think that there was a lot of subtlety there that you don't need to have seen those documentaries or be familiar with that specific story to appreciate all the all the things that go into the storytelling here but like I was watching it and it felt, it just made it feel that much more authentic. Um, yeah. That even though we're dealing with fantastical stuff, we're also seeing people react on a human level. And that's why I think Jason as obnoxious and, and infuriating as he was as a villain was realistic as a villain. Cause he's emblematic yeah. of, of that religious, you know, zealousness at the time. Oh yeah. And his religious, this kind of comes in second to his just vigilanteism. I feel like that's mm -hmm. they're, they're building up the church thing. They started building it up at the end of last year with the satanic panic. Well, literally like a satanic panic little like a uh, stinger for a TV show that they were doing at the very end yeah. of season three. And they're like, did everyone die in this mall court fire like because of Satan? And you're like, I don't know. But I mean, it is weird. The mall was closed and all those people died. But like, I don't know. Like that seems like a stretch. But then, yeah, we've never really heard about uh, Church in Hawkins. Like, none of the characters are religious. I don't think we've ever seen it inside of a church until this season. But um, it makes sense. Like, this all tracks. Like, the Satanic Panic was a real thing. I have a mm -hmm. book on it. Like, people just wigged out. This is like when they thought playing your album backwards would, like, show you that somebody was the devil. Um, and, and in this case, they have more cause to think it than ever, mm -hmm. which is why it's that much more scary because, like, Right. You wouldn't blame someone who doesn't have the whole story if they have even a slice of, of you know, uh, religious uh, compunction in them. These kind of events would drive them towards feeling this way. It's the exact same thing as Midnight Mass, bro. It's like, how else are you going to explain what happened? Like, you can't. Exactly. Yeah. Conception of science like doesn't allow for like you have to ex like basically create a whole Marvel universe's worth of superpowers to explain this one thing that very easily looks like the devil and lives like in underground essentially and mm -hmm. come up and like kill you and prey on your worst fears and shames. I mean, like it is, Vecna is for all intents and purposes, like just 
Lucifer. Like he is just Satan. He's just like somebody yeah. who's been cast from like, you know, he's been cast from the earth and like banished to this other world. And like uh, Eric made this really great video of um, of uh, Milton's Paradise Lost over mm-hmm. over the scenes of Vecna transforming. And like that's it was pretty powerful because like that's yeah that's what it is. I'm not even a religious person. We don't even believe in the devil in Judaism. But like I'm like oh yeah I think this is this is the allegory here. Like he is for less you know for for his own purposes he's basically Satan. But Judaism still has demons in, uh, in certain forms. Yeah, yeah. Probably, um, but we don't have any. Like, do we have demons? I don't think so. I think we just have angels. I think we just. I don't think we have demons. Like, we. What's that we, thing in the possession called? Uh, the possession. Oh God. Oh, Jeffrey Dean. Oh, oh, we have um like things that we create. Like we create um we create like those metal uh, the stone tulpa things. What are they called? The um golems. Well, there's golems. golems. Yeah, and but then, we them. We, like, oh, Dibbuks. Dib, Dibbuks. Yeah, it's an evil spirit. I don't think it's... Uh, that, that's the thing uh, from the possession, yeah. Yeah, so calling maybe. it a demon's a stretch. Um, yeah, it's just an evil spirit. It's like a... More thing. of an abstraction, yeah. Yeah, like it's just like a person that was around and like it's a deceased person. Um, yeah, Dibbuk. That's a good call. Uh, so yeah, he's like he's like that thing, but it's like you would have to like understand so much about popular culture... Even to the point where they're just naming him Vecna because that's a Dungeons and Dragons thing that they're into. It just happens to be that this guy has all the same personality as like their current big bad in like their in their quest. Like that's just a nice coincidence. Like, he has the left hand that they're describing. Like he has like the flayed flesh. Like he just happens to uh-huh. work really well with their current conception of it. But you can use Dungeons and Dragons. You can use religion. Like we're just giving different names to like the same. Un- unprecedented well, phenomena. The the D stuff's expected at this point, and and I found the Vecna name uh, to be endearing more than anything else because uh, as we progress through the season, the name Vecna becomes interchangeable with the actual name of the character in a lot of ways, okay. and and um and Vecna sounds more epic, more mythical, mm-hmm. which I love. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like we get to have our cake and eat it too. But the thing that I think that really made this season compelling and something it needed uh, after, especially after three seasons was having uh, a sentient uh, villain. Well, uh, not because, just sentient, like, like sentient in like a human, like a humanish form. And like calculating. A, yeah. 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 Cause it, it turns out it's just been the same. It's the same guy as season three. Like it's right. the same entity. And that yeah, retcon works for me for the most part. It doesn't really disrupt it. I, I don't hold stranger things. Canon to some lofty extent that I, oh. I need it. Like I I'm comfortable with what they're doing with this oh, experimentation. Oh, I, I, out. I could, cause I could tell, I could tell from the beginning of the season, Eric and I like differed on it. He thought like the mind flayer and this guy were going to be working cahoots, but I pretty much immediately found out, like figured out that it was just the human form of the mind flayer because of the way the mind flayer like talks to her in season three. Like mm-hmm. it just, it speaks to her in like certain ways and like it's using Billy as its avatar, but it is like, it is just like a dude. Like you can just tell it's like somebody, some, it's something with consciousness and it's something that like understands her. And it's not like it speaks in the first person plural. Like it says, we do this, we do that. But it's like, I feel like that's just a thing about like how it's using all these human bodies to like make its actual physical body. Yeah. But, like the idea that like, no, it's not just a human or it's not, it's not just like a consciousness. It's not just a person, but it's like someone that like 11 is directly responsible for, <laughs> for existing. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's dangerous. I mean, now we're getting into like, yeah, maybe the army like should have 
try to wipe her off earlier. Maybe well, like, the whole place should have been burned down. There's fun parallels. Uh, with, I mean, I know it's a bit, you know, the biggest franchise in the world, but there are parallels with Star Wars, and it's a fun coincidence that it released alongside Obi Wan Kenobi, because I do find, uh, you know, the the storyline with with Eleven and Vecna to be very reminiscent of Obi Wan and Anakin, and Ooh, um, go on. and I'm and the thing, nice. well, the thing with Eleven is she's not a mentor like Obi Wan yeah. was, but she creates Vecna in a very similar way that Darth Vader's created. And I'm not taking credit for this comparison. I've seen this on I've I've seen this online just being discussed and you know, generally speaking. And and I I I'm on I'm on board with that comparison. I think it's apt. Um and I think it's apt without being derivative. I really, really enjoyed because uh, I, I I thought of Darth Vader, I thought of Freddy Krueger, but I also saw Vecna as his own villain. And um, yeah, I mean, and, they did a great yeah. misdirect here. So go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh no, 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 that was my point. And I was gonna say they did a great misdirect here by like announcing the Robert England stuff so early. So like, yeah, because yeah. I thought I England know. was the guy under the makeup at first. He was. was I, I know. I I no. I thought. I thought Vecna. I thought. I thought England was oh, playing double duty as the blind guy and Vecna. And oh, I, I thought was it was like the same character. Like I just thought, like mm-hmm. he had found a way to like transport himself or something. Then we met him, and I was like, okay, so he's doing double duty. Here's my question: They mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street in this show. Yeah. Um. So there's even there's a cardboard cutout of Freddy in the video store. So like, who do they think is playing Freddy Krueger? Like, what? What are they? Who? Like, who's that guy? Because there's well, like Freddy, just, this is the last action hero. Just, Look, look, it's just one of those things where I, I, I'm okay with them straddling the line with the meta uh, stuff. And I think Robert Englund playing a character while also acknowledging that Freddy Krueger is a thing. I think that's okay because they didn't make Robert Englund focal point. It was more or less a cameo. And yeah, that's it's, it's, fine. A yeah. it's a misdirect. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to get into probably the the part of the show that's going to be uh, most remembered besides just the character of Eddie uh, and mm-hmm. his amazing uh, Metallica master of puppets song. And that's uh, running up that hill, the Sadie, the Sadie sink, mm-hmm. uh, everything about the kitchen. Sadie sink is what I'd call that uh, episode. Um, it's maybe one of the most cinematic moments in television history. Uh, I, yeah. don't, I don't know where you feel, but I, I, I feel like it might just be one of the most beautiful sequences in like uh, TV history that I can think of. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, uh, the thing, the, the thing. So like, I've always enjoyed this song. You know, mm-hmm. like there's there's um, this version, and is it um, Meg Myers who does the the cover? Oh, uh, there's a there's a cover version that's also quite good. And and so like when the cover came out, um, not too long ago, it, that that was the first time the song like kind of came back up into the zeitgeist for me, mm-hmm. and uh, I've had an awareness of it, and um, I I've I've always enjoyed the song, and I like the way they layered it in because I noticed it when she was just listening to it on her Walkman, mm-hmm. and then for it to build to the level mm-hmm. that it did, and and then to have that earned moment because. We feel the history between Sadie and and the rest of the kids. And um, even though the visual metaphor is obvious, it's really effective in my opinion. Like, like the, uh, she's, 
the emotional arc she she goes on in this show between mm-hmm. seasons three and four specifically. Um, I, I have my heart breaks for 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 uh, Max and yeah. and seeing it visualized in that way was incredibly striking and and the musical cue was on point and I had a very strong reaction to that like a lot of people I'm sure and for them um, I like the way they brought it back and in, in the finale yeah without it being overbearing. Well, yeah. Also, that that's like her theme now. Like you would, you heard it, heard it right after she came back the first time. Like you could just hear like, bow, bow, bow. it's like a like an instrumental version of it, like a synth well, version well. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is. It is maybe just one of the most gorgeous moments. I mean, also because you just don't know if she's gonna make it out. Like you are literally like I, like fifty fifty chance here. Like they really are playing all the moment. They're doing that thing where it's like the best moments of her life flashback. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that usually means that somebody's about to die. Well, what I love, too, about this season more than previous seasons is the way they lean into the realm of the upside down more than we've seen. So we get to actually dwell in that world. We get to explore it more than we have before. There's more accessibility. Our characters are more seasoned warriors with this stuff. Yeah. Um, and to be clear, there's three places now because this is not the upside down. This is his mind palace. Right. Yeah, right. Like the other place, the place where he right. This is yeah. this is his. Uh, you know, the the redder it gets, the more effect it gets. Yeah. Um, but what I really really love is that the imagery in this season is so in line with uh, heavy metal album covers more yeah. than we've ever seen. So yeah. that when we get to the master of puppets moment, it's like, well, yeah, this is in line with everything we've been looking at this entire season. And um, it's so cool to see a character like Eddie Munson get to be a hero because he is what a heavy metal fan truly is. Heavy metal fans are the nicest, happiest people by and large. There are exceptions, don't get me wrong. But like true heavy metal fans, in my experience, just love the energy. They love the camaraderie of the way the music brings people together, the way it brings weirdos together. Yeah, they're and, very video Drew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I love that Eddie um uh embodies that so beautifully. And um he's such a likable character right from the get. But then we get oh to see God. him go on this arc and we get to see him reclaim his bravery and and channel his excitement as a Metallica fan, as a Dungeons and Dragons fan to empower himself in this make-believe Freddy Krueger-like world. And it's just it's all this stuff coming together in a really earned and sweet and exciting way. So I, I, I just feel like the show found its footing again this season. I didn't dislike the previous. I didn't dislike seasons two and three, but I think season four ended on a higher note than the previous two seasons. Oh yeah, I think so too. I mean, like, look, it ended in a way that you're like, oh, it's not even an end. Like, this is just a cliffhanger. Like, we at yeah. this point, they're like, they they have enough time and they have enough resources that the Duffer Brothers are locked in. They're the only thing, in my opinion, that Netflix has going for it currently. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that and Squid Game. Like, I don't think there's any other reason that I'm still subscribed to Netflix and not. Well, just I I love The Witcher. I love The Witcher, love but the it's Witcher, not yeah. it's not the behemoth that Stranger Things and Squid Game are. But it is, it is it is it is it has got it has gotten bigger. I mean, like, Squid Game is great, uh, but, like, I would just be canceling and resubscribing every time they come out with, like, a Midnight Mass or what have you. Just, like, out of principle of, like, what Netflix is right now. Like, just just not great for me. Uh, but I feel like things like, you know, the Duffer Brothers have this Stranger Things hold. 
kind of need to like see where this ends up, kind of need to see where that's going. And like Netflix at least is smart enough to realize that's going to hold the other part of the audience that they need to keep um, because people will now sign on for this like uh, this like spinoff show that they're going to do. And the five other projects they just announced are doing P um, Stephen King's Talisman with Peter Straub, that book. That's cool. That is pretty cool. Um, I have never read that one. My thought was like, and they're going to do a Stranger Things spinoff too, like, but with people in the town that are not the characters that we know, which will be interesting. Um, I think that like maybe they should just stick in this world. Like I kind of don't want to see them, the Duffer Brothers, like try their hand at like another genre, another thing. Like I think they are so in this world and like it's such a good beat that like, yeah, if they were like a reporter or something, I'd be like, don't try to like find another beat. Like this is your, you got like the crime beat, like just keep covering crime. That's your thing. Don't try to like go outside it too much. Um, because this is so good and they've hit a groove now and like we care about the characters and like it just feels like so lived in that even though these are the length of like full size movies now, like they've, like you said, the earned is like a word that keeps coming to mind. Like they've mm -hmm. earned this, you know? Yeah. And I, I think the next season, um, the final season, as it were, I think, I think it's good to end it. Um, mm -hmm. I think five seasons is plenty. Um, um, my big thing is I just, I want, I want Will to, to have a, a good end cap on his arc um, because there's been so much set up with him at this point. Oh my God. Will's never gonna, I mean, like, how's he gonna, like, people are like, how did uh, Mike not notice that he was crying? And it's like, well, you might've seen him crying, but like, look at how much it took like Robin to get like Steve to realize like that she's like a lesbian. Like they were, you know, you kind of have to do a lot in the eighties. I feel like short of like just telling people that you're gay for people who mm -hmm. like just assume that that's what's going on with you, even though it's been telegraphed like very clearly. Yeah. Um, and, go ahead. Um, no. And, but uh, all that stuff with Will, um, I, I find it very effective. Like that scene with, with him and, and Jonathan, um, very sweet. Like oh, I, yeah. I, I love that moment. Uh, not off topic, but maybe a little bit off topic. Um, how old are like is Steve still in high school? Um, no, no. Uh, he's out of high school. Um, Nancy's not out of high school because Nancy's about to go to college. I thought Steve was out of high school. But Steve's at the high school football game or basketball game. But he has to be out of high school because, like, he works full time, right? I yeah, no, I think he's firmly out of high school. Is he though? I know, like I, I know, I know. They were like all preparing for college in the previous season. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. They no, they graduated. Yeah, yeah. Well, who did? Is Nancy a year younger than him, or is Nancy also out of school and working for that newspaper? I don't see any of them going to school. I mean, they don't go to school because they always happen during holidays. Let's be clear. Every single season of the show happens during a major holiday. So that's usually why they're not in class. Like, it's like a... I think, I think Nancy and Jonathan might still technically be in high school. Right, because they're doing their college applications, right? Like, that's the conversation that they're having right. when they're in college. Right. But in season two, isn't she also working full-time at a newspaper with, like, Jake Busey? Well, she's interning there, essentially, I okay. think. So yeah. she, they, were, they were just a year younger than Steve and they're just going to college. Like, Yeah, this shows you how incidental school is in the Stranger Things universe. I mean, it happens in the beginning. I feel like we always get like that one thing of like them in school, but then there's always a holiday. That's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing. They well, they simplify it by having them do most of this shit in the summer. 
So they're not yeah. dealing with school more often than not. They haven't been dealing with school since season two when it was in like around Halloween. Yeah, Halloween and the yeah. third and fourth season are both Fourth of July, I guess. Is it Fourth of July? They're just on spring break. I guess they're not even on spring break. This season they should firmly be in school. There's no there's no holiday. They well, yeah, no, they are in school because because they're in school on the West Coast. Yeah, they're in but school. then but then they're on some kind of break because Mike goes. Oh to, right. Goes oh, right. Travels out there. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, bro, you're right. But but she's still going to class. And that's a weird thing. Like you don't get to go visit somebody else. It's not like West Coast and East Coast have different like national holidays. You're no. either in school or you're out of school. So why the buyers like can be visited by the whatever Mike's last name is. Like uh yeah, I don't know how that's possible. Is mm-hmm. he the he's the only one that's coming to visit, right? Because everyone else from that team is like just out west. Yeah. Mike's the only one who visits. No, you got a couple days off school or something, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um he was just hanging out in the high school like McConaughey and Davidson confused. I think maybe that's it. I was thinking maybe because I think he brings a date to the basketball game and they have a conversation about who that girl was with Maya Hawk. So is Maya Hawk still in She's definitely still in school. She is. She band. is because she's in band with. Well, then uh, she's still in school because he and her had the same class and they talk about it in season three, how they shared a homeroom together. All right, guys. The, the, this, this is, is it. Is, you know what's so funny? Like we go so deep on Stranger Things that we can't. We don't know what grades people are in. I don't know. If he, I don't think he's graduated. <laughs> it's, it's been crazy to think about this for as long as I've been thinking about it. This but is like, what matters. I don't. Know. I don't yeah. yeah, this is stuff that matters. I don't think he's out of high school. I think what happens is, in some weird way, just in the background of the show, he was like disinherited by his parents or like thrown out of his house because it seems suddenly really important in season two that he has a full like that he's working. Like that's his thing mm-hmm. is that he has this demeaning job at like the Chips Ahoy, and then he has to get this job at the video place. But it's like Maya Hawk's thing is that she's just poor. She says at one point, she's like, "I can't drive," and he's like, "Why?" He's like, "Oh, I'm poor. Like we don't have a car. I'm poor." It's like very funny, um, not funny, but you know, like it's a very funny yeah. line delivery. Um, but yeah, I think I think that he just maybe got like disinherited, or like his family kicked him out because it's he's self sufficient. It seems like, but he's not. He's still in school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it has to be because, like, Billy. Oh God, I don't know. I don't know. Billy was still in high school, right? Yeah. He kicked the shit out of him in high school. Okay, so I'm just, you know, I'm perpetual just, seniors. Yeah. Perpetual seniors. But this show takes great pains to like show you that how everyone else is progressing year by year and how many years there's been and like everything seems pretty locked up tight to the point that I think this show probably had it all mapped out from the get go where I wanted to go with this. I think I think like to the most part the show had like the grand design figured out and because you can like see little hints of it like in season three when Hopper season two no it's season two I think when Hopper goes to the upside down you can mm-hmm. hear at the very end you can hear the chime of the grandfather clock really mm-hmm. oh you wow know? yeah at the end of the episode and like that kind of like speaks to like this was all there was always like a grand plan they were never just like being like oh let's just Add demogorgons. Let's just see what where this goes. Yeah, they probably at least had the broad strokes here. Yeah, yeah I think they had like the, the beats there to begin with, and that's why I feel like the mind flayer stuff really works for me. Because I'm like, it's clearly like the same, just one dude. It's just like one. Well, I like dude. the mind flayer because he's basically a big Cthulhu, and like the imagery of it of that creature never wears out for me. It's very oh, ominous, yeah. and oh, it's um, I I like that. 
there's a parallel between Vecna and the Mind Flayer in the sense that, you know, we have the Diabolical Mastermind, but we also have the giant kaiju version of that. And well, it is him. Insane. Yeah. It's, it's just him. Like, it's, it's, it was like, yeah. a, it's like, it's like what it's called from uh, Annihilation. It's more just like he warped whatever, like, touching the void or whatever, you know, whatever entity that was. It wasn't like the Mind Flayer. It was just like some right. cosmic entity. Formed it. Went, formed it. He formed it. And, <laughs> It's talking, he's using it as a vessel the same way it uses Billy as a vessel. Like, it's just, you know, because it looks like a spider, which is the things that he used to torture as a kid. Like, mm -hmm. it's like a big spidery thing. Um, has a long-term plan. Yeah, I think I think this did. I think it did have a long-term thing. I don't know. I feel like they've been winging it. Someone says, after season after season. I don't, I mean, I genuinely, I could see why you would think that. Because season three just seems so, like, Okay, like now I guess like there's fucking Russians. I don't know if I, I don't know. <laughs> like this season three was kind of like. Now I will say point. this. I will say this. There is a disproportionate amount of of Russian uh, uh, villainous uh, action in this show, and it's not that I'm against Russians being villains in, in TV and movies. I get it, but yeah. um, if we get a little bit less of that next season, I or won't like, be mad. Another point, Alexi. He yes, like yes, yeah. but I think between seasons three and four, I think we've 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 played out the Cold War motif pretty well. I think yeah. we get it, and um, and I am so happy with where we are at the end of the season. It's a great mixture of of triumph and the Empire Strikes Back ending, uh, mm -hmm. so that we're excited about what comes next. But we finally got all our people back together, and yeah. um, uh, I just I don't need any more. Like after the Russian prison, and after after Eleven going back through a boot camp again, I just I can't oh, do any God. more stuff like that anymore. I'm, Can I I'm, ask? Uh, like, did we ever get like? Does Matthew Modine ever explain what the fuck happened to him? Like Matthew Modine just shows up, and I was like, oh, is he a hologram? Is he a robot? He is got he knocked robot? out. He had a little scar from getting but attacked, like, but the Demogorgon never took him out. Okay, but like That's, you gotta say that. I feel like he's gotta yeah. at least explain. Like, hi. I'm not dead or just like, didn't expect to see me here. Did you? Or like something. Cause I seriously thought he was like a, a like a hologram or a ghost for like a, like a good, like 20 minutes into this show until Paul Reiser and him had a scene alone. And I was like, Oh, yeah. I guess he's just a, I guess he's just a dude. I guess he just survived that Demogorgon attack. What? And, and also, um, and again, like just to get the nitpicks out of the way and this, this really doesn't matter, but like the flashbacks with him too, were questionable at times like I, I don't I, the math didn't entirely square up for me for when one was a young boy and and and, and uh dr oh, brenner yeah. oh yeah well how would yeah. that work he was a young boy in the 40s yeah so like he would be in the 80s he would be 40 years i guess he's he's kind of like got a 40 year old look like he looks like a grown-ass man but that would make him in the honestly 70s, like 30s Again, it's a nitpick, but it also would have been a quick fix. They just didn't need to plant that in the forties. From like, and I do I think, think that World whole War II thing, right? Because they need to have the yeah the home. Yeah. So I mean, um, maybe the math works. I think yeah, if it's been the fifties, maybe it is the fifties, and we just don't. It just seems like the forties. But like, if he's been in the fifties, I think that squarely adds up that the stuff with Eleven happened when he was in his like late twenties, thirties, and then he's in his forties now. I mean, he doesn't have an age anymore because he's like a flayed entity but like <laughs> you know like he's not he's not aging i don't think any more than he has aged 
that said, it's so broad that like I'm not gonna like scrutinize it as much as I would other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's fantasy at the end of the day, more than sci-fi. Um, uh, like it is sci-fi, but it, it's 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 also Lovecraftian horror fantasy more than anything, in my opinion. And that's what I love about Stranger Things. I think it takes the best thing about Lovecraftian style horror and improves upon it in certain ways and makes mm-hmm. it more accessible for a wide audience and taps into that weirdness that a lot of horror fans like us love about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, mean, um, I just love how how present that was this season with, with the imagery of Vecna, mm-hmm. with the philosophy of Vecna, um, and how it all ties into this larger looming presence in Hawkins. Um, the answer to Dagan's question, what hell happened to eight uh, from the episode everyone hated? Great question, because I would just, normally I would just think that she would just. They referenced her in this season. They they brought the flashbacks back. They didn't show the adult version of the character, but they showed the child version again. But like, why didn't she die when he killed everyone else? Yeah, so I, look, I would hope that they put an end cap on eight in the final season. I, I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm with, well, I'm with Eric on that. Chained up into a fucking pipe somewhere, it's just still chained up. Crazy, that poor guy. that crazy how they did like they did, ended him like as if it was Matthew Modine. They're like, so that's settled. What will you do? Like, what will you do if uh Helen Hunt shows up in season five and frees him? Oh my fucking god, if <laughs> Helen Hunt shows up, I'm going to freak out. If there's a matter, I know, Indian, I freak out. I, I've wanted Helen Hunt to come back. I saw that horror movie I see you. It was pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, she she wasn't in it enough. I was like so excited that she was in it. And then she like came and went. She's like at the beginning and the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And um I'm like, man, I miss Helen Hunt. I really do. She was it was so cool having her around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, and she's like a good actress. Like the, and I she came up in the eighties. It would make sense to integrate her into the story. Yeah. I mean Honestly, if you're gonna get Paul, it's not like Paul Reiser did so many things in the '80s. Paul Reiser is firmly in the '90s for me. He was mad about you. Paul Reiser also—I don't know who he switched agents or something—but he is like suddenly having a year of it. Like he is getting work. Like he—he showed up in this and the boys, and I guess those are the two things that you can be in right now. Like literally at this time period to make everyone remember. Oh shit! Like let's call Paul Reiser. He's still around. He's working. His character in the boys is so good too. I love—I love that that character that he has. Yeah. So good. Um, Yeah. Do you um, do you watch Barry? Yeah, of course. Uh, Yeah, because his um, uh, Paul Reiser's character remind me a little bit of Gene Henry Winkler. Um, Just the way the the way not uh, Gene's a a a much more approachable person, um, but at the same time, the way they they talk about a bygone era, the way they reference uh, off color stories. and and the way they reference like like celebrities like in very vague ways that are traumatic, I like that. Oh, this is so sad and so true. Now we wish that Bill Paxton was still around so we could be in Stranger Things. Oh my God, can you even imagine? Break my heart. But maybe Break Michael Bean. Maybe Michael Bean. Maybe Michael Bean. That's or true. can you imagine? Can you imagine? Uh, the final season has Linda Hamilton because. I, oh my god, she's which even better than Sigourney would be Linda Hamilton. If they bring Linda Hamilton in, move over Helen Hunt. Because she's she's one of my favorite things about Dark Fate, even though that movie's not amazing. Like I was just so excited to see Linda Hamilton do anything again. 
So um, I think it would be cool to have her back because she's not doing as much as like Sigourney Weaver even is right now. Sigourney's yeah, she's not busy. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't, I don't know how they're going to pick that up, but uh, that's a story for another day. Um, Drew, I, I'm sorry. I just have to say uh, with that under the Banner of Heaven show, Sam Worthington. Oh, nice. He's, he's playing a Mormon in Utah in the 80s. And he's doing, he just still can't quite do the American accent. So he's veering between like a Bronx accent uh, and like an Australian accent as okay. a Utah Mormon. Is Sam Worthington the guy from Avatar or is Sam Worthington yeah. the guy from Law and Order? From uh, Sam Waterston's the guy from Law and Order. Sam, Sam Worthington's from Avatar. Is he British? He's British or something? Or he's Australian. Australian. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. They can't. Uh, he's they can't really struggles with hiding the accent. I feel bad when I watch him. Uh, season three had a Schwarzenegger look like. I would say that guy was a Schwarzenegger look like. You mean the guy who was like the main baddie for the Russians? Oh. That he was like he looked like um looked like a guy from Barry who did like the John Wick, uh, and he was in the Matrix. He played Carrie a um, little bit, but but that yeah. guy, but yeah, the season three guy definitely was meant to look like the Terminator. And he yeah, and he, I mean, and, like he's walking like the Terminator. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I loved I loved that ongoing. Uh, back and forth between him and Hopper beating the crap out of each other. I actually, um, uh, back on 4th of July weekend, I just had this surreal experience. Um, I live in a, a small little town up here, and there was a 4th of July carnival. Really, really, uh, really, Fine. really cute. They brought in a few rides um, mm -hmm. and, and food stands and everything. It was like a miniature fair just in the town square. And went over there with my daughter and to the merry-go-round and everything. We went in the fun house. And I'm telling you, it all was it all looked exactly like the Hawkins oh, yeah. July 4th thing from season three. Yeah. And I, then I, I thought like, yeah. I thought back to Hopper beating the crap out of the, the Russian goons inside the fun house. <laughs> That's like my favorite scene. We were watching that earlier today, and I was just like, oh man. You know what? That's what you get. Like, because you they wouldn't know how to get around a fun house. They didn't have fun no. houses in the USSR. Like, they would have no idea like how to like na navigate and negotiate like all that terrain. Like the fun house mirror thing, which I'm like, oh, that seems like such an easy, like that's such a cliche that it's like a key and peel sketch where like the, the serial killers in the hall of mirrors and like you like you'll never find me. And the Keegan's just waving his gun and when he gets to like him, he just ducks. He's like, Oh yeah. He's like, Nope, that's how do you know that one's me? Um but they like do it so well because it's just like one shot. Like he doesn't even have time to calibrate what is happening in the hall of mirrors. He just like he like touches the mirror and like Hopper just jumps out. It's so good. Mm -hmm. It's done so well. I know. Like, yeah, he, America. This is really pro America. And he shoots him, but he's got the vest on. And then when he sees him like emerge from the fun house later, I love how Hopper's just like. <sighs> yeah, but they think he was. He's not even surprised. Yeah, he's not even surprised. Does not take it. He has to bash that guy's head in with a large Haldron collider thing. Like he's kind of like he has to literally like turn him into paste to yeah. kill him. <laughs> Which again, small nitpick, but in that scene, everyone who's wearing a hazmat suit gets immediately turned into paste as soon as the collider like explodes. But like Hopper, I hop, guess just hop, fell hey, down. Look, look, he fell. He fell in a good place. Okay. Okay, but like everyone else in that room got turned to goo. So like, I, I don't know how it fell. I mean well, he, he just he just lost his 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 charming gut. Yeah, uh, that's the, the only thing he lost. I think that's but, probably for more that was more for, for being in the gulag for so many months. 
Yeah, and 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 props to David Harbour, although I hope he knows like everyone loves his dad bod. Yeah, everyone does love his dad bod. David Harbour, go gain some weight. I don't know like what they're doing there. I mean, the other thing that works here, and like I know COVID like really derailed a lot of plans, but like thank God this is when children have their growth spurt anyway. This is when you'd expect to see like a major change. So Mike growing five feet like doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Lucas turning into a different guy, like from like season three to season four. I was like, that's not the same actor, right? Like that's just a different actor playing the same character. Yeah. Kept getting him confused for like other characters. I was like, that one's not Lucas. But, but Nancy's was. Nancy's looked the same this whole show. Nancy hasn't changed her hair one whit. <laughs> I mean, that's how you can tell which one of these are like which one of the actors, in case you couldn't tell already which one of these were kids and which ones were like adults playing teenagers. It's like very obvious by which ones are still looking the same, like relatively the same, like Nancy and Steve and Bill isn't not Billy. What's the name of her boyfriend? The other brother. The older brother of the buyers. Jonathan. Will? Jonathan. 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 Yeah. yeah. Jonathan, they all look the same, but like Dustin's like an adult. Lucas, Jonathan looks like he's always just woken up from a nap. Every Jonathan, day. Jonathan is a is a weird looking guy that only makes sense when you realize he's British. Like that's when his face like coalesces for me. Because him just like as a regular dude walking around, I'm like, why? Why is he on TV? But when you realize he's British, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. That makes sense. He's mm -hmm. probably, yeah, he's, and they're dating in real life. Good for them. Which ones? Uh, Nancy and Will. Oh, uh, no, jo Jonathan. Oh, Charlie Heaton. Okay. Yeah, they've been dating since season one, I believe. Oh, wow. Remember when he was in Dark Phoenix? It's the only thing I think I've ever seen him in besides. Are uh, the New Mutants, you mean? Oh, not New Mutants. Blah. Yeah. I don't have to care about this stuff anymore, but uh, yeah. I know. Mutants. Yeah, no, New Mutants was. Uh... That was a movie that had no budget. Oh my god! But he, put him in a hospital and pretend it's X Men. Okay, yeah, got it. He was in a mine, I think, in that movie. But anyway, going back mm -hmm. to Stranger Things, uh, Man Manos Man of San is that how I'm saying it right? Or Manos San Man of San, I think. Uh, I like that Eleven had a newer look in season three, much better than before. And they made her look so frumpy in the early parts of season four. Mm, I'm not sure if I like totally buy that. I think it's just like she's also in a very awkward period of like teenagerhood, like Millie Bobby Brown just mm -hmm. as an actress where she's just kind of like gangly and she looks so different than she did in season one. Like she's probably the biggest, like most like confusing her and Lucas, I would say like you would just not recognize the same characters, but uh, you know, I like I like her look. It's certainly better than that weird slick back look they gave her in season two when she went to go see nine and she became all new wave for like a hot minute. Well, yeah. And, and obviously she's been completely reset. Uh, in terms of uh, like, I, I I appreciate what they did, um, even though I think they they could have done what they did with her her retraining, if you will. I think they could have done that in a couple episodes instead of four or five. Or, um, but like, yeah, but yeah. That said, um, I appreciate what they were going for, and they were giving us more background in the process. They were doing the book of Boba Fett thing, you know. Like yeah. the time she went under, we got to go to a flashback, and and. And I'm okay with that storytelling because we were learning more about her. We were learning more about Vecna. That's all valuable. Um, and, I care about that. But the imagery of it, the mm -hmm. sheer repetitive imagery. Of her in the fucking back to tank. Got really frustrating. Her being in the little rainbow room. Um, uh, the game she was playing, like not the Connect Four, but with the thing falling down. Like 
and, oh, and is it, that and, kind of like it, it was like but like and the, it reinforced the monotony incredibly well but they they did that pretty quickly and then they kept doing it so i just that wore me out just a tad well especially um, when the, these things are the length of movies you know mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like oh my god i you, it makes you realize like what the difference of television and movies are is like television and i guess this undergoes my point a little bit but like if they i guess if they did have this planned out since day one they should have been seeding the shit out through the entire series, like what she was up to beforehand. Like there, there should have been hints of this throughout the I, series, so we could we didn't so we could have the emotional payoff of what this meant, like when he that it turns out to be him. Like that would mean something, right? If this was just seeded out over like the whole show instead of having to get this much backstory at once. Yeah. And 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 what I'm realizing more often now is there's a tendency to assume that if something's going to be adapted into television, whether it's an ongoing series or a limited series, that we're just naturally going to get more story. We're going to get more background. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is, and I'll even say this about things I like. I like Stranger Things. I like Obi-Wan Kenobi. But there are things about both of those shows this year that Mm -hmm. they didn't need. And I'm not going to get into specifics of of Obi-Wan right now, but it's just that I think there is a tendency to assume more is always better. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think there is, there's opportunity to tell a better, more comprehensive story in television. Look at breaking bad. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's something that does a lot mm-hmm. with its, it's, it's run, it's runtime. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm watching something like stranger things season four, where I think they could have done what they did in seven episodes shave down the length a little bit here and there because there was a lot of repetition. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and maybe like, maybe that's where the whole thing gets complicated because you're like, well, that's also why it feels earned. Like, I don't know where the line is between like you needing that repetition to make something feel like the payoff. Like if we just gotten like, oh, this was a guy that Eleven knew, we never really got to know what their connection was or like why it was important that they, you know. Or, I like, think you could have established that in a couple episodes. Um, yeah. Uh, because we, we already had an idea that this guy was significant. Not and and not just like because it was Jamie Campbell Bauer. Those of us who know that he's a notable actor are already thinking like, "Oh, he seems significant." Yeah. And yeah. then as you watch it, you know, it becomes more obvious that there's. Well, yeah, the way he's some... introduced is like yeah. so like he's introduced in this way where it's very ominous because she can't escape the room, and he's mm-hmm. like coming up to her. So you're like, "Oh, he's a bad guy," and then it's like, "Oh no, he's a good guy. He's trying to help her out." But like pretty quickly, I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that that's not a good dude. That's just like another dude. I didn't, I, I would say that like there was a twist I saw coming here and there was a twist I didn't. I saw that it was going to be, Vecna was going to be, I'm oh, sorry. I saw that he, oh, maybe I didn't see either. I thought I felt like I, I earned one of these two things, but maybe I really just earned that I thought, saw the mind flare being the same as uh, Vecna. But I definitely didn't see him being the same guy as number one. But when it happened, I was like, maybe I got like a couple minutes early, but I was like, oh shit, it's like the same dude. It's like he can move stuff with his mind. That's what he's doing with the Sadie Sink scene. He's like moving all those shit, you know, all the shit that's hovering in the air. He's mm-hmm. just like, it seems like it's sorcery, but it really just is him using his uh, like science fiction power. It's like not devilry. It's like science fiction. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a superpower, not like a, a biblical thing. It's really yeah. cool. The thing Midnight Mass was like my closest comparison for what this is like. Because Midnight Mass takes like a horror iconography and makes it religious. This show almost like takes religious concepts and makes it like science fictiony. I think is like how I'd put it. 
Like this mm-hmm. is like very much like it's hell and this is Satan or Freddy Krueger or whatever. But it's like, but like, what if there was a an explanation that not mundane? It's certainly not mundane, but like puts it in the realm of like yeah, New Mutants or something. Yeah, like it 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 it's it's tapping into something supernatural. But at the end of the day, there's still some there's still an inherent level of science fiction to this story. Uh, mm-hmm. It's still based on theories of a parallel universe and and and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but um, I think I think um, it sets up the final season really well, so mm-hmm. that we get to have like a very focused conflict, and having everyone in one place is nice because I think we were pushing it, um, having them yeah, all spread out that way. Yeah, and and I oh. think I think we were also pushing it. Uh, to give them all something to do in that specific moment and have it be believable, uh, I mean, even yeah. even by the rules established by the show. And I loved this season for the most part. Um, but those were things that I had to surrender um, on faith mm-hmm. uh, because uh, under you know under scrutiny you could nitpick that stuff pretty easily. I get it, but uh, I'm 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 here for the journey, and I'm just glad they're all in the same room again. Yeah, I mean the plot armor is thick with these kids uh you're oh, yeah. right like the, the amount of time that they can just spend in a car with a corpse is like incredible like these children can just like hang with that but, that uh, scene that scene yeah. with that that freaking um what do they call them uh like a something army government guy or, agency guy or whatever yeah, or, yeah like that that one take was so good and I love how unassuming that dude was as a hero. He was so unglamorous, and like yeah. he was badass without looking like a badass. And That's I yeah, that. the one take. You mean the when they're going through the house and like yeah. shooting everyone? Fucking, that was like so hardcore. Like I was like, what is happening? This show, you're right. This is like how you know the show moved up from like a PG show with like Matthew Modine as like the bad guy as sort of like a vague villainous threat, you know, like to being like, oh no, there's just people with guns and they're going to shoot you to death with their machine guns. Like that is. <laughs> As well, and it's your it's your own government, by the way. No use to like calling the Russians for this. This is your guys, and they're about to shoot you in the head. And, and it was like, stressing. Like, yeah, yeah. It was stressing. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go, no, go go. What about Matthew Modine? Uh, I was gonna say his death was so unglamorous and so perfect. Like the way that she didn't give it to him. Eric was sitting next to me while we were watching. He just goes, "That's ice cold. <laughs> cold as ice." Like the way uh, that she doesn't yeah. give him that, she understands. Yeah, I think we were all proud of her. Yeah, <laughs> way way to earn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that, I think that scene was great, Corey. But what were you gonna say? Um. Uh, no, I I I really appreciate that. I love that. Um, uh, I like that. For us to finish this arc with Papa, it ends without ambiguity. Finally, and finally, and it it closes out in a more satisfying way because. The previous ending, while it was satisfying in the moment, it didn't provide any real closure for their arc, and I think we got that this time. Yeah, it was an arc I didn't know we needed to like close the door on, but like, sure, I'll give it to him. I just think it's funny how it's never addressed. She's never like, "How did you escape?" or "How are you alive?" Like, what happened? Like the same way with 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 uh, with uh, Hooper Hopper, you at least need to say something to like he needs mm-hmm. to have to be like, "I fell and like I was okay." But like with Modine, he just shows up and no one says anything. Has he been working with Paul Reiser this entire time? Has he been alive this entire time? Yeah. Has Paul Reiser just been a buddy of his? Like, are they friends? Are they colleagues? Like, what's what's the relationship? Because Paul Reiser took his job. 
And he's still like, going out of his way to wear his vests. Yeah. Paul Reiser, but like, right? He has Paul Reiser's job, or Paul Reiser has his job in season two. But like, Matthew Modine mm-hmm. still works for the government. So like, who has Matthew? Where is he working? Like, he's just working. Yeah, and then you have, the, you have the military brass who's like up against them. Oh, God. And, that guy was scary. That dude was yeah. like the scariest big bad this season. No, Vecna, but like that military dude was like second scariest. He just like put people in boxes. Like I thought he was way scarier than that teen, you know, that that teenager who can like, you know, the, the, the satanic panic kid. I thought like that military. Oh, Jason. Was yeah, Jason was not as scary to me. No, as Jason like, was stressful, not scary. He was a he was an, he was just causing a lot of problems. And and uh, the only time I was really stressed about Jason is when he just kept punching my my friend Lucas in the face. Oh, and man. and that, that that punching was just so in there was so much punching. Dude, and I, and I, people just survive. People just take blows in this show, like in a paranormal level of like Hopper and Lucas. They can just absorb body blows. Same with Steve too. Steve has to have the shit kicked out of him. I um yeah, it's a pretty close race between who can take more punishment between between Hopper and Steve. Mm-hmm. Hopper, I think, wins because especially after this season. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I think, think any, but but Steve is a cl- uh, second place after Hopper for on-screen punishment and recuperating from it. I mean, it's, it's, ugh, the Gulag stuff. I was like, it was a little much for me. I was like, I don't, I don't need to see like that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a show about a supernatural entity and a Freddy Krueger thing going on in the sound. I don't need to cut away every 30 minutes to get a dedicated 15 per episode with this guy in a Russian gulag. I was like, I just don't. You can just tell me that he's been there and I will believe you and I will believe that like he just he's there. Like I, he doesn't um, need to go anywhere. We don't need to try to get him out and fail and then have him just end up back at square one. The only reason that could serve is like Enzo. Uh, Enzo and um uh yeah, just developing that relationship. Mm-hmm. Right? There's um, no other thing that. And you enjoyed Brett Gelman this season. He's always so good. Always good to have him around. Brett Gilman, also Brett Gilman getting showing some range. I love that in that fight scene in the plane, like he actually is a badass. Like he's like <laughs> taking karate lessons with other kids, and you're like, oh, he's gonna be a schmuck and totally fuck this up. But no, he's like a total badass. He like and I, that guy's ass. <laughs> it's so sweet that he like it's not he doesn't like overstate this, but I I interpreted that that he takes karate mm-hmm. because Hopper's not around anymore oh, because. Yeah, because he knows like he has to learn how to defend himself because his friend who beats up everybody isn't around anymore. Were they, was he, did he know Hopper that well? Like, were they friendly, or was that just because of the? I just think after everything he experienced over the past two seasons, he was heavily traumatized and just wanted yeah. to be more prepared. And I think also seeing Hopper being so physically capable inspired him. This is my head yeah. cannon speaking, oh, I like but that. I, I yeah, I like it. I think that, yeah, I think Hopper definitely inspired him to be more machismo, like, mm-hmm. definitely. Like, because he has these one-liners, he can say cool things when he's being people up. Like, that's a very Hopper-like tendency. Uh, Joyce, just also becoming, like, both, strangely, both more and less competent as the seasons go on. Someone should call Child Protective Services. I don't think she had any idea what the fuck happened with her house. She must have gone, you know how many places they must have stopped after Russia before realizing what the fuck happened? Like, they probably stopped in California first, because that's what's Joyce, in Alaska. <laughs> at the end of the day, Joyce knows Jonathan's around, and he, and he mean, and he, and he has got a good heart. He'll, 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 he'll at least keep people from dying. Jonathan, her, 
John look, by himself. Look, look, no, not by. I'm not saying she thinks he's good, but he's at least old enough that I think she's come to rely on him, even against her better judgment. Okay. But I think Joyce's main focus is I just need to provide enough money to pay the bills. No, no, so no. She, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when she gets home, when they when they make their first stop after California, because she's up in California, right? And they're in Indiana, like uh, like Hawkins is in Indiana. So yeah. they're stopping first in California to like see how her kids are and how like uh, Mike is. And they're going to come home and find a house that is riddled with bullets that is probably cordoned off by the military police. It has a dead body inside of it. And I guess their second stop is just Hawkins and not like the morgue. Not like I'm the- guessing they went straight to Hawkins. You, why would they go straight to Hawkins? She has kids. She has half the Hawkins kids are there. And she Hawkins. must have heard that they were on their way there too. That's my guess. She from who? Who would she hear from? I don't know. Oh wait, they actually had the Paul Reiser connection. They call, but like, how did Paul Reiser answer? Because you know his like associate answers the phone when they call from Russia. Right. Like she doesn't know where Paul Reiser is because he's handcuffed to a pole somewhere. Like we don't see him escaping. I don't. I don't know what the hell's happening here. Poor Paul. Mm-hmm. Poor Sam Owens. Mary was a zany and also badass. Knows karate, speaks Russian. Even shows up with a flamethrower. Just now, oh, that's right. He had the flamethrower. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was so badass. Yeah, that was great. And just him screaming with it really sold it. I mean, Brett Gellman representing the millennials of the group. Like, I like fucking. That's so fire. Like, I just love that so much. He's just kind of like, ah, I'm fucking here. Did you ever see um, the video of the guy um, in the wintertime uh, clearing his driveway of snow with a flamethrower? No, but that would be Murray, right? It's pretty awesome to watch. Like, just like this guy obliterates like this all the snow from his driveway in a matter of seconds with a flamethrower. It's so that. irresponsible, but it's really yeah. cool. Wait, have you seen have you seen the meme about um, how Nancy is just Hermione Granger with a gun? Yeah, and I also um, hilarious. I saw some comparisons between Nancy and Aunt Beru after the finale of Obi Wan Kenobi oh, when yeah. she pulls a shotgun out of the wall That's and, true. and Owen's like, "The fuck is this?" Yeah, she's like, "I'm the only person on the Star Wars canon to actually own a gun and not a blaster, just like a straight up two barrel shotgun." I know, and even though it shoots lasers, it's still a shotgun. It, it still shoots lasers, but like she sawed it off. It's like a sawed off. Yeah. <laughs> I I have so much I want to see from Baru now because of that yeah. show. And now she can do it because she's no longer in that uh weird sex cult. So that's really good. But oh god. Cool. Yeah. Again, yeah. under the banner of heaven, Drew. I mean, I'm I telling you. The, I love the book. The book was great. Uh I just think I've been I've been not been watching the show because I don't want to like ruin how good the book was for me. Like and it, they added the Garfield character and all this stuff, but I'm gonna start. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna start it. It's I, it's it's interesting. It's it's there are flaws, but um, it's I'm sticking with it. I got two episodes left. Well, I wanna I wanna get your feelings on this, Adam. Uh, what do you think is gonna be next? What do you, what are your predictions for Stranger Things season five? Whenever we get that. Yeah. Um. So we know we're gonna get this final um showdown in some capacity, but um, what I am really hoping for is um that we see this become more of a more than just um you know 11 fulfilling her destiny um that's a part of it and i think that's important but i think what this show's done well so far is it's 
shown that it's all well and good that Eleven, you know, steps up and is the hero more often than not. But as the show goes on, increasingly she needs to rely more and more upon her friends. And um, I think by her reclaiming her abilities in this season um, and even doing that, that doesn't make her, that didn't turn her into Superman. She's still vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, This, even though we're on season four, this did feel like the actual Empire Strikes Back of Stranger Things because, Mm -hmm. because Eleven um, did go into the battle hastily before she was fully prepared. She did okay, but she came out, you know, kind of rocked. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, she lost somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That somebody's in stasis now. They've confirmed that City Sync is, uh, this is like real dark, but they've confirmed that she is alive, but brain dead and Mm -hmm. blind. And, and as well as all her bones are broken, but like, I thought maybe she's in a coma. Brain dead signifies to me something very, very different than coma. Like, yeah, we're gonna have to have. Yeah, we're gonna have to have a um, a, a miracle event, um, obviously for her. But my theory is that she's she's not coming back as like she might be like a vessel, but she's not. She's gonna. She's dead. Like if you're brain dead and, and eleven can't feel your presence anymore, like you're you're not here anymore. Like you're you're not here. Yeah, but they're not gonna keep Sadie Sink around to lay in a bed soap opera style. It's and that's like, be like um, Battlestar. Like it's like the what's his name? Battlestar, Hot Flanders from Midnight Mass. <laughs> Hot Flanders. You know, like sexy Flanders, like uh that guy, like who just got turned into a hybrid. Like uh yeah. like he's gonna she's gonna be there to like say things and like help point the way, but it's not gonna be her. It's gonna be like some you know, something from the other world or something, like the good version <laughs> of like the upside down. I don't that's my that's my theory, is like that's what's gonna happen with her. Cause I don't think you I don't think you can confirm that she's brain dead and then like she, she gets better like she's still blind that's happened like you can't come back from being blind you can't i guess you can like in the oa but like it usually doesn't happen all her bones are broken she said she couldn't feel anything beneath like her chest or something which means that she's paralyzed like even if they set the bones so like i don't know man i don't know what kind of life is worth living also if you her. have limb breakage to that extreme i don't think you're i think it's i don't know if you you, you might you go into shock and yeah. not feel anything Oh, um, fair enough. That's possible. Yeah, I was in shock at the end of that episode. I didn't like God. seeing Max go through that. That was awful. That was awful. Lucas's reaction was heartbreaking, like Eleven's thing. And then when she's pulled her back, I was like, okay, so that was just like another fake out. Max is fine again. And they're like, oh, no, no. She's she's far from fine. She is brain dead. She is mm-hmm. not just catatonic, because comas you can wake up from. She is, there's no life functioning in her, her, her brain, because she was starved of oxygen brain dead like that is horrible it's gonna get into like the terry shivo case like it's gonna be mm-hmm. i don't know what's gonna happen with her but it is dark the implications i um and uh, uh i also thought that uh that scene towards the end between god and Madarazzo and and eddie's uncle was really really good too oh god yeah yeah that got me that messed me up I keep thinking about it. I was like cleaning the cabinets like yesterday and I just started thinking about that scene and started weeping. <laughs> it's like so sad. He like died a hero and like no one will ever know it. And like if they just knew him, they would have loved him. Just gets me every time. Oh, I know. And that's why like we have, we're four for four now for these characters who, who bite it that we love. But mm-hmm. I think Eddie, um, Eddie's the most impactful one since Bob Newby, Sean Astin. 
Um, oh. That one still messes me up. Uh, just thinking about it. Was that Alexi? Was that Alexi's death? No, no, no. I'm talking about Sean Astin. No, no. I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying, was there one in season three? But I guess it was. Yeah, that was Alexi. Yeah. So we had Barb, we had Bob, we had Alexi, and we had Eddie. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is that, like, they shot the scenes, of course, like, out of order. And the Duffer brothers, who originally, in their original script, had Steve killed off, I think, very early on in uh, their show, or like by the end of season one. Yeah. And then just saw what great chemistry he had, decided to keep him around. They uh, have admitted that they shot the scene with Chrissy and Eddie in the woods and already after they'd filmed her death scene and have it all set up. And they really wish that they hadn't done that because they really feel like there was a really good chemistry between her and Eddie and they would have liked to play that out like further. Even if she'd still died at the end or both of them, like it would have been even more tragic. Yeah. I think if they they kept her around a little longer, like, because here's my thing. And this is, I don't even think this is headcanon. She was pregnant, right? Well, I didn't know if she was pregnant or bulimic. Oh, I guess, yeah. Because she's supposed to have something that she's, like, shamed of and that she's hiding. That's how he gets to people. Yeah, I read it as bulimic, but I could be wrong. Oh, because I read it as, like, morning sickness that she's throwing up. That her mom's that'd be way more, that'd be even more tragic. Yeah, that's, I don't know. I kept waiting for them to bring it up. I was like, so she was clearly pregnant with his, and that would make Jason more of, like, a, tragic and sympathetic but also more villainous character if like he found out his girlfriend was pregnant when she was murdered like that's that a lot be- of subtext yeah i mean but they've never they never it never went anywhere so i think maybe you're right maybe it's bulimia i was having a hard time reconciling the throwing up with her mom calling her like fat and like letting out you know in her fantasies uh mm-hmm. i was having a hard time figuring out what her shame would be but i think bulimia works yeah either way um that actress tragic. that actress showcased that a lot of background through nonverbal performance. And I, yeah. and that scene with her and Eddie was really sweet. Uh, both their scenes were. Yeah. Uh, Especially cause like very um interesting and like noteworthy destigmatization of drug use. It's like, I feel like drugs are always like, if you're doing drugs or if a character's doing drugs or if a character's selling drugs, that leads to like they're undoing, they're a bad person they're or like it at least has to have some sort of fallout. Whereas this was just like, the drugs are incidental. Like she wanted the drugs, never got the drugs. He had drugs. Like he's not a bad guy. He's just selling ketamine. It happens. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you're just selling some ketamine. I just like really appreciate that destigmatization of like people doing drugs and, you know, having their life. Yeah. Like, and even Jonathan admitting to, to, to Will later on, he's like, he's like, yeah, I was stoned a lot of the time, but I'm, I'm figuring out a lot of my own, problems right now i'm not doing so great and mm-hmm. and and that's all they need to say they don't need yeah. to he doesn't need to be a perfectly fully formed adult by the end of the season no and, or does chrissy like need to of like she doesn't need to explain to us why she needed something stronger than weed to deal with what she was dealing with never got to do it don't think it would have helped but like you understand like why she wanted what she wanted and like why eddie would seem like the perfect like I don't know, like, I really would have liked to see more scenes with them together. They were pretty cute. Um, mm-hmm. Actor Joseph Quinn, who plays Eddie, remind me of young Tom Hanks. Now, coincidentally, Hanks' first acting role was in a D&D addict in the movie Mazes and Monsters. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Mazes and Monsters, Adam? No. No, I've not actually seen it. But I know I know of its existence quite... Uh, I've known about it for a long time. For a I long thought- time, it was in the bargain bins at, at uh, Walmart and Target. It was one of those it's- random DVDs that was always in there. I, I should, it seems like a movie that you would have seen. It's a very Adam Collins yeah, you, movie now that I think about think. it. Uh, 
Mazes and Monsters is pretty good. I watched it with uh, Tom, like Tom from the Schmodown, like mm -hmm. his movie night group on Friday, like uh, a couple months back. They have like a Friday movie night thing. And we're watching Mazes and Monsters. That movie is wild from what I saw of it. Yeah. It's crazy. I, um, I, I'll, I'll prioritize it. I've always meant to see it. Yeah. Satan saying the show hits in the feels. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, look, this show also, as someone said it earlier, like, this show telegraphs a lot of things that it doesn't, like, that it subverts or, like, it doesn't lean on, like, the the Robert Englund thing being one of them, but also, like, who's going to die? Like, I was they, so... They, they handled that beautifully. To just do it with everybody, that was the right way. I mean, but to especially do it, I feel like, with Steve. I was like, Steve is dead. I was like, put him on, put him on ice. The guy's dead. Like, he was doing all the things... Like he was saying all the speeches about his future, about like wanting to get back together with Nancy. They've resolved their thing. Now it's he's gonna be third wheel again. I was like, so, and now like there's a new guy to take his place in terms of like a, a brother figure. I was like, he's dead. I would just just take him out. And then I was like, sure, it was gonna be Nancy. And then Vecna just lets her go. Uh, and then just turns out to be Sadie Sink again. What a good like double cross. Well, and and at this point, even though the show has gone out of its way to spare certain characters mm -hmm. because it's towards the end even though there's not a precedent for killing off major characters we still know it's a possibility because we're at the end so that's why this season was especially suspenseful and it's why net the final season will be even more suspenseful because there's no way we're getting to the end of that season without at least one of our major players not making it to the end at least one of them has to go mm -hmm. Look, I'm still contending it. I don't think Sadie Sink made it out of there. Like, I don't think uh, Max made it out. Like, well, I mean, even a, in addition to whatever's addition going on with Max, I, I think someone's got to bite it. I think someone's got to bite it. Oof. I really not, and not, not arbitrarily. It. Like, they gotta they gotta go out with a reason. But yeah, but I mean, they they faked us out before with Hopper. Like, we I was you know he was dead until the very end of I guess that Stinger post credit sequence where you realize that he's definitely alive. But like, still. Like he, he he seemed like pretty bitten, and I feel like they took two seconds before they assured everyone that he is not dead and released like a, a trailer or something. But like, you know, it looked like he bit it. Like it would be very hard to survive what he survived. Um, do you have any theories about who's going to bite it at the end of the day? Um, at this point, um, I do think I actually think there's a good chance Jonathan will because. Anyway. Not great, but like that would make sense. I think because uh, Will has been spared so many times and Steve has been spared so many times um, and Nancy's in the middle of all this, I think there's an expectation that like Steve would go mm -hmm. and all that. But I think it would make sense narratively for Jonathan to, to die uh, for whatever reason. And, and that's how... Steve and Nancy end up together down the line. Um, uh, I'm not rooting for that. I just think it makes sense. And, yeah, um, yeah. I think it'd be um, hard for any of Bryce's, uh, uh, the, the Bryce kids to die. I think it'd be hard because like, you'd have to reconcile like Joyce accepting that in a way that she did not accept Will being gone. You know, right. like, we'd have to be able to fall out of Joyce. It might be Joyce. It might be like Joyce. We've already had Hopper. I don't think they can take us out twice, although they have, so they, they might just ultimately decide to go with him but like uh it might be it might be joyce she might just make the ultimate sacrifice mm -hmm. no i think that could make sense um i i the real question i have is will they introduce another do they do you think they have it in them to introduce another beloved character that'll yeah 
Yeah, of course. Well, because they need that celebrity cameo. We need somebody else. Like you said, we need the Linda Hamilton. We need like the character from the eighties. Like, I want Carrie Elwes back, even though he was an asshole. I want. I miss him this season. Where did he go? Great. He was so great. Well, he went to jail. We, we see him get taken away in handcuffs. Oh right. Yeah, he's in jail. Um, I I don't know. You could be introduced. You know what you could do? Somebody really interesting is the preacher. Like the town pastor. Like we haven't really oh, gotten yeah. that character yet. Let's get let's get somebody real interesting up in that role. Who you know is, people are seeking his counsel at this point. Yeah, well, yeah, and like that's gonna be you can tell that's just where the season is going, is like a big church versus like it's that mob rule thing. Jason's been killed, but they're still blaming it on like Satan sat, Satanism, you know. Mm -hmm. So like the church would be in natural place, and it's just like yeah, I wish Bill Paxton was still around. He would have been great. He would have been amazing as like the, the preacher in this town. Because oh, so whatever it is, I feel like that has to be secondary, like the, the church thing. Unless they do some, again, some cool subversion where the church actually ends up helping. Like like a like a cool midnight mass thing where it turns out the church isn't all bad. It's just like some bad apples and there's like helpful people in the church. That would be cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm saying I want to see Mr. Bel Belvedere in the show. What if it was Zach Morris? <laughs> But you just get whatever that guy's name is, or like, uh, yeah, like get that guy, whatever Zach's name is in real life. I can't think of it. Who's the like Saved by the Bell kid? What's his real name? Oh, God, Mark. Oh, oh, Jesus. Or you know, you get the other Mario Lopez, get him in there. Or you know, uh, yeah, Mark Paul Gosselar. Yeah, Mark Paul. Oh, was that 90s or was that 80s? Maybe I'm thinking of a little too 90s. Stay by the Bell is primarily 90s. Yeah. Yeah, it's no. 91. Shit. Um, okay, you can get somebody from like, you can get somebody from something. You know, we were born in the 80s, uh, I assume, Collins. Uh, at least yes. I was. So yes. I mean, like, we 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 can think of a we can think of a couple cool people that could be around. Um. Yeah. Kyle McLaughlin would be awesome after all this time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think getting like some. Uh, some elder statesmen in there, like a like a, a Donald Sutherland, would oh. be exciting, or a Sissy Spacek. Um, Here's the thing: the time jump is going to maybe put this in the '90s, the final season, which means like it should be Kyle McLaughlin or Ray Wise. I don't think we'll get all the way in the '90s. I think we'll be late '80s at the at the most. I would so. love to get into the '90s, but but I I, I think that'd be a big. Guys, if, if you have to take a note, Duffer Brothers, put it in 91. Just give us that little edge so we can have Ray Wise show up as the preacher in the show. I would be so happy. Call it. Or Everett McGill, Big Ed, Big Ed Big Hurley. Ed, still, because, I he died. No, he was in the new season of Twin Peaks. And oh, um, he uh, he played the, uh, spoiler alert, he played the werewolf priest in Silver Bullet. Oh, my God. So and the people cool over the stairs? What? He was in People Under Stairs. Yeah, with Wendy Roby. He and Nadine played mm -hmm. that F'd up couple in that, too. So, uh, End of 89, so we get Batman. Holy shit. If we got Batman, we got Jack Nicholson. All that's Jack Nicholson showing up, which is, like, wheeling out. Um, yeah, there's so many things we can do with it. I'm sure that, like, guys, put in the comment section if you're watching this after we are uh, live. Who would you like to see in Stranger Things Season 5? If, he, if, if he were still alive, I would be begging for jt walsh that'd be the perfect like kind of character actor i would want in in a show like this but michael Keaton, he's around you know he's around to like show up in morbius so like put him in there you've got time maybe, maybe they'll dig 
Emilio Estevez. I think that's it. That more and Charlie Sheen would be a distraction. Emilio would be the perfect balance, I think. Oh, Emilio, Emilio, yeah. you got it. Because I was gonna say, I was gonna say Judd Hirsch, but Emilio might be the better call. Or or Judd Nelson. Or and and no more Anthony Michael Hall, please. Like oh no God, offense to no offense, but like yeah. after Halloween Kills, I'm good. Joe Estevez, that'd be perfect. That's like I'm, mm. I'm hoping it's Joe Estevez, but um, um oh, fun story. Can I just mm -hmm. share this? Uh, so I, 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 um, I rewatched uh, John Carpenter's Vampires this past week. That's and, a good movie. And it's it's underrated in my opinion. It's very entertaining. And um, and I was speaking with someone. Um, and I won't. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll keep them anonymous. But it was very funny, uh, because I told this person I was like, yeah, and Daniel Baldwin's in it, and they were like, Daniel Baldwin. And I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, Daniel. And they're like, there's no, come on now. There's no Daniel Baldwin. I, I, I don't remember. <laughs> can I be honest? I don't remember there being a Daniel Baldwin. But and, the way you're saying it with such confidence makes me realize there must be. And Daniel Baldwin. So like they all look alike, but Daniel Baldwin is the one who looks exactly like William Baldwin, but he's just a little, he tends to be a little heavier more often than not than William is. Okay, but they, but like, they look, you think I know what look, William looks like? You think I know what William yeah. looks like? Well, so William and Daniel are both like black hair. Like okay. they both have like jet black hair. And um, uh, yeah, this just led me down the Baldwin rabbit hole. I was like looking up, especially with like William and Daniel, because they're like the really weird ones, in my opinion. Yeah. And well, they like, have a melty face. They have a bad, bad case of melty face, those ones. Uh huh. But Daniel Baldwin sounds just like Alec when he talks. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, neither here nor there, but put Daniel Baldwin in Stranger Things. That's what yeah, I put a Baldwin, put like, yeah, yeah, I think these are all good things, but I really like the idea of it being uh, in the <laughs> 90s, very wise. Or, you know what, Judge Reinhold, also a good call. Yeah, right? Judge Reinhold would be fun. Judge Reinhold would be great. Put Sean Penn in there. I don't know anyone who's willing to show up. I think Emilio is a great call. These are all perfect, perfect casting. Get the entire Breakfast Club to show up and do like a stunt thing. Mm -hmm. That'd be perfect. Um, Ali Sheedy. I think Ali Sheedy is doing stuff still. Like she's on a new show playing someone's mom. So Ali Sheedy's around, uh, guys. In case anyone's looking for like someone to play me in another season of something. Um, Adam, where can I think? I think we're gonna wrap it up here soon in a second. So uh, yeah. you got any final thoughts on on Stranger Thingies? Uh, just you know, it was a it was a it was a fun journey yet again, and I love that. Like initially, there was this like. Uh, hullabaloo because it came out around the same time as Zoe Wonder and I heard a lot of discussion about like hey you know people aren't chattering about it as much it's getting you know like there's not enough oxygen in the room and then you know uh, I gotta hand it to Netflix they played the long game and by staggering the finale they gave mm -hmm. people time to catch up they gave time people time to chat about it mm -hmm. and so when the finale rolled around uh, by and large all the people who were going to watch the show at this point in time have already watched it and yeah. and uh, the finale was a huge hit, and 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 the reintroduction of things like uh, running up that hill and master of puppets um, are just fun side effects of that. Um, and now these songs that I've known my whole life are recontextualized in a really cool way, and I, I like that. 
Yeah, I'd say is, uh, now, now we're kind of at a point, though, where, like, everything's going to need to be a needle drop for me, dog. Like, you've done it well two times now. The problem is now that I'm going to expect it in every fucking episode. Like, you're going to need to get to that. Uh, that one was so good. Like, can't not have that now. You know, this, uh, the song I'm waiting for them to, like, like redo in an epic way is uh, Send Me an Angel. You remember that one? Mm-mm. Okay. I don't, I don't think so. All right, so um, I know "Send Me an Angel" uh, from um, uh, Teen Wolf Two. Um, oh. It's by a group called Real Life, and uh-huh. in Teen Wolf Two, uh, Jason Bateman has a really intense last-minute studying montage, uh-huh. uh, or else he's going to fail and he can't make the boxing match. Uh-huh. So he studies hardcore uh, to "Send Me an Angel" by Real Life. It's very dramatic and intense, but the song's great. And I think it would be prime for uh, a Stranger Things re, re, redux. Okay, that made me just think of a couple things. Jason Bateman also would be good in Stranger Things. So would Christopher Lloyd and the guy who played Biff. Like oh, Tom guys. Wilson, Thomas F. Yeah, Wilson. Tom Wilson yeah. would be great in this. Like oh my that god, that would be that's yeah. a very good pick. Tom Happen Wilson would be perfect, but yeah, and Jason Bateman, and I had one more that was uh, okay. All right, I have great. what? Who? Kiefer Kiefer would be great. And uh, and Crispin Glover, but it's never Crispin gonna Glover. happen. Yeah. Crispin Glover, and the guy, the guy, I guess he kind of counts because, like, when did the first Bill and Ted come out? Because I think Alex Winter is overdue for some more work. Even watching Al- on Twitter, he's so good. Alex Winter's gonna be in another movie again soon. That's going into production, like another like horror comedy, I think. But um, Alex Winter would be perfect. Alex Winter would be great, and he's and he's so interesting looking. I mean, it's gonna be so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guys, there's so many songs. Like, now that we know they can do a needle, needle drop, I guess it just kind of makes me both, A, impressed at their, at their ability to restrain themselves and not do needle drops all the time. Like, it is an, admire, an admirable amount of restraint that they've shown if they've had just this in their back pocket, being like, you know what? We could just add every time there's a dramatic sequence. They started with Never Ending Story in season three, but I don't think they'd done one until then. But both of those songs reflect what's happening so beautifully. No, it's and it's just, it's just, it, it, Whereas songs are often so arbitrary, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I that's why I like their use of both of those this season so much. And uh, and uh, uh, separate ways by Journey was also a, a good one this season. Uh, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, I think also. I mean, well, they, they did use of- that this season, is what I meant. Like it oh. was less pronounced, but they did a, a remix of Separate Ways by Journey that was really good. Oh yeah, the one that was in the trailer. Oh well, they did it again in the finale, like uh, as they're marching up to the house. Oh, yeah. Um, they played a little uh, bit of it. Oh, I just realized we have gotten through all this way through the show, and I haven't talked about my favorite character. Like, the character that I got several texts from different people being like, have you seen Stranger Things? You remind me so much of... And, like, it was funny. I got one from Tom. Eric said it while watching the show. But my oh, yeah. Hawk, Robin, uh, apparently I've got a lot there. of similarities to her. She's great. She's killing it. The, all are, the are it. Yes. Yeah, all the Hawks are killing it. But yeah, I'd say you are, are comparably gregarious. Oh, thank you. Yes. I, well, I, think, I think what it is is, well, Tom texted me. He was like, I think you've said verbatim to me some of the things that she's saying. <laughs> and I know exactly yeah. the lines because Eric said the same thing. He's like, wait, isn't that the same thing you have? Which is that they thought I was slow in elementary school because I was so uncoordinated that every time I would try to run, I would fall over. And every time I tried to catch a ball, like I would fall over. So they really thought I was... I had some mental issues, but it just turns out I'm just very uncoordinated and very klutzy uh, and don't have really great depth perception. So when she said that in the show, I was like, ah, I did the Leo mean. I was like, did that thing. 
I yeah, and I also did love her in like the pastel proper outfit when they were like trying to oh god interview Robert England. Um, that, that speech great. she gives, that speech she gives is so Drew. That's such a good Drew speech. Like that <laughs> that self righteous indignation that she just makes up on the spot because like she's stuck in a corner. It's very me. I could <laughs> see you um, manipulating a psychiatrist and letting you talk to a serial killer for your own it own is, means. I, I'm good at like on the spot, like impromptu speeches. I will say that I'm good at speechifying. Um, but I think, yeah, I think guys, I think that rounds it up for our Stranger uh -huh. Things discussion for the evening. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We've got a nice crew in here. Everyone really participating in the chat. Appreciate that. Um, we're going to be back in two weeks. Uh, hopefully I'm pretty sure. Um, Topic so, TBD. Yeah. Yeah. TBD. We're going to, we're definitely going to go back and talk about some things that inspired us as informed us as a child. So we can get the, why are we like this or college? It really doesn't matter. Late twenties, anytime up until now. Um, Adam, where can people find you? Uh, here periodically. And uh, uh, for the time being the Schmodown. I am happy to say I have a couple matches in the can. So keep your eyes out. Um, and then when all the dust settles from this, I'm sure we'll 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 be able to. I, I think I think at some point a Schmodown episode of Why Are We Like This is in order. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, there's a lot there's a lot of game time left, so let's see what happens yet. Sounds good. Um, as for me, same same thing, except I don't have so many matches in the can. But yeah, Schmodown's still happening. Check that out. Um, I'm over here at Patreon.com. Oh, I got to get comment down. Patreon.com backslash video drew. I think that's oh, not on here, but it's on another thing I have. Patreon.com backslash video drew. I'm video drew at everything, so you can find me on there. Um, I've been really, really super busy with work, guys. So sorry, I haven't been keeping up with everything as well as I should have. Um, I know we're overdue for a lot of things, um, but just bear with me. Let some stuff get settled. I was just, I was just tasked with like infinite more responsibilities at my job. So that's been taking up a lot of time. Um, but we're getting back. I think we're doing Tropic Thunder tomorrow for a video chronic quiz, if all things go well. Um, and yeah, just check it out. We're having a meet and meet and hang out after this. Um, let's say like 9 p.m. I know it's an hour later than we usually do, guys, but I appreciate everyone sticking around. And we'll see you next time. Okay, bye. <laughs>